0: Welcome to the Titletown Sports Podcast, episode 69. How are you? We're your hosts. My name is Craig Stanton. I'm Melissa Burns, and uh, we're going to dedicate this episode to
1: Rob Gronkowski. As we know, it's his favorite number.
0: Our 69th 69th attempt (laughs) at podcasting. How you doing? What's going on, Bernsie? Not too much,
1: Craig. I'm excited. Uh, this week we get a lot to talk about, particularly with the Bruins. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time the f- focusing on them because they are red hot right now
0: and very exciting to watch. Red hot. Can't yeah. beat them until you yeah. can, but then you won't uh, <laughs> anymore. Um, All right, well, let's start there, then, with uh, getting caught up with uh, what's been going around town. So, uh, yeah, they've been, I I would certainly say, uh, the the hottest team in town for sure. Might even be the hottest team in the NHL. They lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh on Sunday, which ended their 19-game point streak. Points in their last 19 games. They were 15-0-4, so four overtime or shootout losses. During that time. And they hadn't lost in regulation since January 19th. I saw something on Twitter that said uh, that Tuka Rask himself, like, cause, uh, uh, you know, his his w- uh, win streak was longer than yeah. the team's. Tuka, the last time Tuka lost a game in regulation, Josh Gordon was playing for yeah. the <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I, I saw that too." That is a uh, that does feel like a long yeah. time ago. More so if they had just said like December fifteenth or like whatever yep. the date was. Anyways, um, <laughs> you know. Jan- so uh, yeah, that also go ahead.
1: Well, as you say, January nineteenth also has a special place in Patriots history this off season too, as it was one of the days uh, Bob Kraft was participating in
0: uh, the Asian spa. Very very interesting. <laughs> that was the day that it actually happened. Yes. <laughs> Damn, that's anyway. a really freaking long time. Well, Anyways.
1: yeah, so like they had all star breaks the- in
0: there too, right?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: yes, okay, that counts, whatever.
1: Yeah, what it's not. Uh, listen, they can't control the calendar.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Long Long time to games. not have Jesus. lost a game. Um, anyway. fun fact it was the longest streak. I don't know if this is in team history or in NHL yeah. history, Maybe Bruins history. Melissa, but yeah, Bruins, Bruins history, so team history, longest streak since 1941. Mm-hmm. Um, the two games before the Pittsburgh game were uh, third-period comeback wins against the Florida Panthers and the Ottawa Senators. And now, looking ahead, they sort of play basically every other night for the next couple of weeks. Um, next three are against Columbus, Winnipeg, and then Columbus again. Cities that don't necessarily inspire fear in the hearts of hockey fans, but all those good teams, yeah. particularly Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, so look out for that. Uh, We'll talk more about the Bruins. Wagon.
1: Later on. Yeah, because, you know, they're excited to talk about. Uh, Celtics. (laughs) Speaking of the other team. These fucking guys. That's playing in town. uh, In the last two weeks, the Celtics have gone three and four. Uh, But their three wins were on the West Coast against Golden State, Sacramento, and then the lowly Lakers. Uh, The biggest story this year has been certainly Kyrie's relationship with his teammates in the media including last week where he was saying he didn't want to be a star and he won't miss this shit when he's retired. The videos were all over the place and it's like, you don't want to be a star. Okay. Well you make movies, you make commercials and you play in the NBA. So like if you didn't want to be a star, you should have gone to college for accounting. I don't know what to tell you.
0: Yeah. Every single interview he's done post game this year, he's had his uncle drew hat on. So don't fucking tell him you don't want to be a star bud.
1: Anyway. Uh, But now this week, after their uh, West Coast swing, in an interview with Yahoo, Yahoo Sports, uh, Kyrie is now admitting that he's made some mistakes and it's not who he really is. And he's going to try to learn and grow from his experiences this year. So maybe, as we've been saying all season, this could finally be their turning point. And maybe they have an opportunity now to finish the rest of the season strong, play as a team, um, and head into the playoffs in a in a good place. Yeah, we'll I see. mean,
0: we'll see. I I, uh, I feel like I've read that article uh, or that headline that says, like, Celtics win big against blank. Yeah. Is this the turning point they've been waiting for? Like, that article has been written probably 10 or 15 times yeah. this year. It's like every 10 and days like, you see that. Yeah, and they they lose a couple games they have no business losing. They win a couple games against them. They might come off of that winning a good game against a good team. I mean, I can specifically remember, like— Three or four times where I like turned on the Celtics and like turned to the person I was watching with and said, like, this is their season on the line tonight. Like, I've literally said it yeah. like three times this year. And they've always, I guess, to their credit, begrudgingly to their credit, they've, <laughs> they've actually generally won those games. There was an OT game against Toronto that they won, I remember. There was a game, uh, I think another road game against Toronto. This Golden State game certainly was yeah. big. Yeah, and they came um, out I mean, in game. There's been a handful. Game. Philly, that Philly game that they won without Kyrie. Um, anyway, Christmas Day against Philly also. Like, there's been a handful of them where they've just been like sucking and then put it together, and we've been like, well. Oh, did they turn it around? Blah, blah, blah. So personally, I actually, uh, so you may have seen some of the uh, chatter this week about how like LeBron and the Lakers are. They're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but they will probably not make the playoffs. (laughs) And it ends LeBron's ridiculous streak of finals appearances and certainly playoff appearances. I mean, he's gone to the last, I think, eight or maybe nine finals. It's insane. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, the guys basically played like, You know, a season and a half or a season and a quarter every single season because he goes so deep in the playoffs. So I just I just read that, you know, I haven't really been following the Lakers closely, as you could probably imagine. But I read that and I was like, you know what, that pisses me off. So LeBron leaves the East, as we all know, and he goes to the Lakers are not even good you know, you got Golden State, who is still obviously like the dominant force in the league, but by their own standards, they aren't playing that great. We'll see what happens come playoff time. They can obviously turn it on. But like, as of right now, they don't look like they are the best version of the Golden State Warriors. You know, in the East, like you never know with Toronto in the playoffs, how they're going to fare. Like they're a little bit questionable year in, year out. Philly still can't seem to get it together, at least against the Celtics. And so like you just look across the league and it's kind of a weird year, like kind of a shake up year for yeah. the NBA where a lot of status quo is not really there and it's just like damn man. If this was the year we thought it could have been for the Celtics, like they really could have could have had a lot going for them because there's a, a lot of a lot of sort of seas parted this year and they they don't Well,
1: and that's what makes it so particularly disappointing because it's like if those other teams had played, you know, off their chain or like had these like incredible seasons that you couldn't predict, you'd be a little like, all right, maybe it wasn't the Celtics year. Like it was Philly's year. It was Toronto's year, but it, it feels like the field was wide open for them to just dominate, which is what was predicted would happen. And they have just choked at every turn. Like they
0: they can't get out of their own way. Yeah. And you need a little bit of like, you gotta be opportunistic in sports, (laughs) you know, particularly in a league that is dominated by one or two teams. Like, Right. You know, it like the, the year the Bruins won the cup. Sidney Crosby was hurt. You know, the year that the, the fucking Steelers won their first Super Bowl. That was the year Brady tore up yeah. his knee. Like you got to like, you know, like these things don't come along when there's when there's really dominant players. And, and the NBA is sort of the prime example of this, where like one team or one player can really just sit on the league for a decade. Like look at LeBron. Right. And he's just been sitting on the Eastern Conference. And yeah, no one can get no by one's him. He's been able to get through him since the fucking Celtics in 08. And like, you know, I don't know. It just so that just pissed me off that like all this weird turnover is happening in the NBA and the Celtics were poised to take advantage of it yeah. and uh, you know, we're just they, we're just slogging around in the 5 seed, falling uh, short. But Anyway. Anyways. Um hey, let's talk about the Red Sox. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> That's exciting. The Boston Red Sox <laughs> are uh, continuing to play spring training baseball games. Whoa. Oh, I didn't even know this. They lost six in a row, apparently. Yeah, including uh, today. spring training. <laughs> so who cares? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Some things that are still pending, and the Sox are going to need to figure this out, obviously, before opening day or the closer situation, uh, and whether or not Dustin Pedroia will be ready to come back and play a regular second base this year.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that's what's been going on in spring training. I mean, you know, I don't I don't watch. No. All I remember from spring training last year is getting on J.D. Martinez because he didn't hit a home run. (laughs) Well, I I was like, nice signing, Boston. Way to go. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) Nice fucking D.H. You got there. This guy's a
1: stiff. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not someone that buys into like spring training schedules having any bearing on or spring training results having any bearing on how the season's going to go cuz you're like messing with things so like you're not putting in lineups and matchups that you would usually put in so it's it, it is very much like who cares yeah
0: absolutely yeah. All right. but i didn't know that they lost six in a row so they sure
1: do. have it's really great uh let's move it on to the patriots the let's. most of the news around the Patriots is actually around the NFL in general because the legal tampering period has officially opened, meaning that players are verbally committing to teams, but can't actually sign until I think it's Wednesday at four. It's
0: a bizarre thing in the NFL.
1: Like just start.
0: I co-sign. Yeah. The start, start of the league agency. year is Wednesday. Yeah, or The end like, of the league year, I should say. Is Wednesday.
1: So don't have a And tam- I don't know. A legal tampering period is just bizarre to me.
0: Anyway. Also, they need to find a new name for that. But that's yeah. an aside.
1: Yeah. So far, it's actually been a very active couple of days. Uh, left tackle Trent Brown has agreed to a deal with the Raiders. Trey Flowers announced that he's heading to Detroit. The that pa- sucked. That yeah, was just that yesterday, sucks. Right? Yeah, yesterday he he put a nice Instagram post to the Patriots fans up, and it's like, damn, <laughs> that's a big loss. Um, the Patriots were actually reportedly in on wide receiver Adam Humphreys. but he ended up going to the Titans, and so the only moves that the Patriots have ended up ended up making is they tendered a deal to jonathan jones and josh gordon meaning that if either of them signed with a different team the patriots would get compensation for it but we'll see hmm. and they traded for defensive end michael bennett from the eagles still on
0: the table Yeah, that's definitely the big that's yeah. definitely the yes. biggest yes. name that's this a big week. move no, d- that no they've doubt made. about that
1: yeah I put this in just for you. That's still on the table is what they're gonna do with uh, Stephen Goskowski and if they're going to end up re-signing him, or if he'll move on in the NFL.
0: Hmm. <laughs> I'm not even necessarily advocating that they move on from Stephen Goskowski. Oh. I just, you know, just just get ready to go for some two point conversions <laughs> in big games.
1: Uh, You got any thoughts on that Michael Bennett signing? Yeah, I was going to say,
0: I I was certainly happy to hear that it was happening. I mean, he is a bit of a you know bit of a uh, outspoken guy like he he definitely makes some headlines but he's not an, he's not over yeah. the hill he's a little on the older side i think he's 33 or 34 makes about 6 or 7 million dollars a year he was obviously a fucking force in seattle uh and then he was on the eagles just for this past season and they're obviously they were going to cut his ass so that's really the only thing that makes me nervous like he was a really productive pass rusher this past season, like very recently, and makes a lot, makes a decent amount of money, but not an absurd amount of money, like six million bucks a year. That's not, that's not crazy. I mean, Trey Flowers got like 17, just for some point of reference. Like, you know, Trey Flowers is obviously someone who's striking while the iron is extremely hot, and basically getting top market money for a pass rusher, and so, you know, more than twice of what Michael Bennett is making. My only concern is just like, I, I don't really worry about like the Patriots' locker room. Like, you know, that's just been something that's so consistently yeah. fine for years and years that I just stopped worrying about it. But just like, as far as Michael Bennett's concerned, like, again, really good pass rusher who doesn't make a crazy amount of money who played for the Eagles, which is an organization that has a fairly high tolerance for like nonsense, you know, much more so than the Patriots do. And by nonsense yeah. I just mean, you know, general outspokenness with the media, sharing your opinions, whatever, like the Eagles are just much looser of an organization as most NFL teams are. Um so I don't know, I just like what are what did they see or that we are not seeing? Cuz it seems almost like too good to be true, like I don't know. Uh, I mean, I hope it's not, but you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, he already announced that like and and apparently talked to the Patriots about the fact that he plans on staying in the locker room during the anthem. And that's just what he does. And so it, it sounds like maybe they've had some of those conversations about like what the Patriots expectations are and how they choose to run their organization. Right. And then what are things that for him feel like non-negotiables and have, you know, maybe that was a part of the process was making sure that they could agree on. You know, what does media coverage look like in social media in the Patriots locker room compared to some of the other teams he's played on? Um, because if they talked about him staying in the locker room, then it, it makes me feel like the Patriots were also thinking about those things and wanting to make sure that there was some clarity heading in.
0: Yeah, I've also been a little bit annoyed this week with like just sort of the way that he's been talked about like first of all lumping him together with Martellus Bennett is just something that annoys me because like yes they're brothers but they are like separate people and right, also they're not the same person like alright like okay Michael Bennett's got some like he's got a he's got a rap sheet like who the fuck doesn't in the NFL or right. in life for that matter and like I don't like how like the fact that he's like an outspoken person like not even in a political way like just like li- like he'll just talk to the media and like answer questions and actually has a personality like why that is something that we should be like worried about is is a mystery to me, particularly on this team. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, I'm bummed to see Trey Flowers go. I'm glad they got someone to yeah. replace him, I guess. Um, And we'll see how it all shakes out. But it's a real bummer. I mean, I feel like Trey Flowers was like Mr. Patriot. Speaking of people that don't talk, like that guy yeah. was just fucking good at everything, did his job. Toed the line. Never stepped out of line. Like you hear all these stories coming out this week about how like loved he was in the locker room and respected and he was just a total like, you know, buttoned up pro, like a pro's pro, like seemed like a really good type of guy to like give some money to and keep around. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, he 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 is now the latest uh, on the long list of Patriots to no longer be Patriots who the fans would have liked to have seen get signed. Yeah. But what can you do? Yeah. Continue being a Patriot.
1: All right. Well, we're all caught up. Um. Do you want to dive a little deeper into the Bruins and kind of what's been going on with them?
0: I would love to talk Bruins. I don't feel like we've really dug in and talked Bruins for like a long time.
1: No, we haven't been able to because the Patriots keep dominating the headlines, you know, winning yeah. Super Bowls, all that stuff.
0: All that all that bull crap.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jesus, give us a break. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, interestingly, in the last episode, you asked me if I thought the Bruins were a true... yes. Uh,
0: cup contender
1: Uh and I was like nah and I I I might have been wrong on that um I did say that one of the things I wanted to see was for them to beat Tampa Bay they did that on they sure did
0: I was at that game Uh, it was great
1: oh yeah it was a good game that's a good game to be at um and yeah I just think the way they've been kind of playing and dominating has been good to see
0: Yo, it's been um, awesome. I mean, I, I've, yeah. I've particularly enjoyed, like, I don't think they've been necessarily playing, like, their best hockey all no. these nights, but there is nope. something to be said about, like, finding a way to win. Like, they've, they've come back, like you said in the open there, like, they came yeah. back against Florida, came back against uh, Ottawa. Those are games that they basically barely showed up to, but ended up winning Um, they've won. they been winning a lot in overtime like you know just they've been doing it I mean they've been getting it done like they don't ask how you know I don't know if they've necessarily they haven't been rolling teams but they've been getting the points um and the Tampa thing (laughs) was Tampa thing was a fun night but it was for Tampa Bay second night of a back-to-back and they played their backup goalie so you can't put you can't put too (laughs) much into that one uh but it was fun
1: yeah, well, you know, and I think it was one of those things. I mean, hey, we talk all the time, and it's one of the things we ding the Celtics for, is, like, beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. So if a team, even 100%. if they're better than you, they're coming off of a, to your point, like, they're on a back-to-back and they're playing their backup goalie, well, then guess what? You should win that yeah, game. Yeah,
0: beat them. Just beat and them. so totally. they did.
1: Right. Like, yeah, take the two points. They're yours for the taking right there. Good point. You know, and I, I just think, like, the consistency that they've shown, particularly, you know, when Posternak went down with his, like, night out injury um you know there was some real concern about who was going to be able to score for this team and one of the things that I I love is that it's been a bunch of different guys that Mm -hmm. are stepping up like certainly your first line continues to be strong like of course but you know you're seeing guys like I don't know Heinen and like well, yeah, Heinen
0: took. Uh, Heinen is is the guy who took Pasternak's spot on that first line, so and he's right. been more than just Taking a passenger. A like he's been right. he's been putting points on the board. Jake Debr- right. De- DeBrusque went on in. a ridiculous scoring streak or uh, or a point streak at least throughout this yeah. uh, win win streak as well. Like the guys down on the third and fourth lines have been doing it. Chris Wagner, Noel Chari, mm-hmm. and fucking kind of like the grinders. It's, yeah, I mean they definitely distributed their scoring. Uh, throughout this point streak, and obviously the one the one thing leads to the other there.
1: Right. Which maybe is a good thing for them, you know, that that some other guys have been able to find, you know, some of their puck luck while is out. But, you know, yeah. and like, guys are half... It kind of forces the issue a little bit. You know, when you're... It's a little like the Celtics run in the playoffs last year, right? Like, your best guy goes down, and it's like, well, we gotta do it. Like, how how do we work together to make this successful and the, they're finding a way to do it kind of mid season here.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. So here's a question for you regarding the Bruins. And I think we yeah. probably asked this same question at this same time last year when the Bruins were like mm. ripping people's faces off. Uh, mm. But the idea of peaking too early, do you put any stock in that uh, as it relates to just, you know, having success not in the playoffs for a sustained period of time?
1: Um, No, you know, I think sometimes I look at it as like, a oh, you go on a really hot streak at the beginning of the season and people are like, get all excited about it. And it's like, OK, well, it's October. Like, let's calm down a little bit. This doesn't necessarily translate into April and May. Right. Um, I think this is the perfect time for them to be peaking because you're gaining your confidence. You're you're building your lines like they're giving Cassidy the ability to kind of like tinker with things and try different lines together and like really kind of. Screw with it to see what the best options are, um, and how you can really use like every guy out on the ice in different scenarios. So I think it's the perfect time, and I think it gives you like confidence and the dominance and a little swagger as you are getting ready and heading into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. I don't I don't really believe in the peaking too early thing because it it implies that this is the peak, uh, <laughs> and if they don't play well in the playoffs, it won't be because they played well in February. It will be for some reason, you know what I mean? It's, it's not yeah. like, it's not like there's a finite amount of, uh, good <laughs> yeah. play that's available. Um, that's exactly
1: and, the word I was going to use. It's not like there's like a predetermined, like, well, you can only get this many wins. And so right. Can right. right, right. In
0: the <laughs> <laughs> and I agree season. too that. Like, especially, and this happened earlier in the year with some, when they, you know, went through a whole, rash of injuries all at the same time. And certainly you're seeing it right now with Heinen stepping up to that first line with kind of, which kind of bumps everybody or or reshuffles the line underneath him. Um, And, you know, guys putting the puck in the net is a good thing to have. It's a good confidence booster. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's good to know in the playoffs, if you're struggling to score uh, that you have it in you somewhere, you don't just suck. You've done it before. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a good thing. Although uh, what I realized this, so, so throughout this point streak, They've been. I heard a, a variety of interesting stats about the Bruins. One of which was that since Bruce Cassidy took over as head coach, which was, if you remember, it was on Parade Day uh, in 2017. So after mm-hmm. Super Bowl 51 on Parade Day, they fi- fired Claude and they hired Bruce yeah. Cassidy. The Bruins Fair have had the lead. second yeah. best record in hockey, in all of hockey. Wow! In it in that time frame since Cassidy came on board, regular season that is. And that to me was really like, I I thought that was like, that blew me away. Like, you know, we, we think of the Bruins as sort of like where their playoff output has gotten them, which is like, yeah. Okay. First round, second round. Sure. Something like that. Like not as like legitimate cup contenders. When you look at it like that second best record in hockey for the last two and a half years, like that's significant. And it's honestly Mm -hmm. a little frustrating for two reasons for me. One, I get frustrated by this like playoff format, that i do mm. like i guess uh but it just sucks when like the best team in hockey the Tampa Bay Lightning and the second best team in the Eastern Conference the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins are all in the same division together so no right. matter what the fuck happens outside of the uh, of the division we're going to have to play Toronto in the first round and then presumably if we yeah. get through them Tampa in the second round and like that is tough cuz those are just like the two you know, you're just guaranteed to play those teams who are as good and better than you rather than being the beneficiary of your good regular season record and get to play a seven seed or a six seed, you know?
1: Right. Just because you all happen to be in the same division and the NHL works, you got to play out of your division. It, it, yeah, it does kind of suck because we play in a strong division. And so they end up getting like hosed every year. If they played in a weak division, we'd probably be like, yeah, this is the best. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's good analogy. Big picture with the NHL, like when they came out with this new playoff format, as opposed to just like doing, you know, one through eight, seeding it in two conferences. Like I did like it. I do still like it in a big picture way. But it just sucks when it when all the you know, when when a couple of teams happen to be really good at the same time and they happen to be in the same division. Yeah. The other thing that frustrates me, and this is like the thing I've been meaning to get off my chest for the last couple of weeks, <laughs> honestly, is that yeah, when the I heard big that, I was like, damn, man, like, this is a good team. And you've got, you know, two of the most understated superstars, I think, in the history of Boston sports in Patrice Bergeron and Zdeno Chara, who are on the tail end of their... Careers certainly in Chara's case, less so in Bergeron's case, but Bergeron's like 38. Chara's like 41. Yeah. Um, they're on really reasonable contracts. You've got Brad Marchand, who's turned himself into an NHL superstar on a wicked reasonable contract. David Pasternak yeah. also signed a really team-friendly deal a few years ago. And, like, you've got these guys. You've got this window. I mean, say what you will about Tuka Rask, but he's a good freaking goalie. He's not, like, a mess. And, like, I, I, I just... If they... I feel like they have the pieces to make another real serious run, you know? And just the fact that they haven't gotten out of the second round since 20, what was the year they lost to the Blackhawks 2013? Like that pisses me off. Cause it's like, it, And, and, you know, if you remember last year where they got Rick Nash and all that stuff and like I was a big fan of that trade. I like the fact that they like were going all in on last year. We were all in. Yeah. And I just it's just frustrating to me that like, you know, part of it is running up against Tampa, who's a fucking powerhouse. And like, but uh, I feel like there's another component of just like not really investing in like the window, you know?
1: well that's what i was gonna say is like do you feel like it's them not living up to their potential or do you think it's they just keep running into better teams because that does happen like as good as the bruins are playing tampa bay is still the better team and they're as you know as great as we're like giving them all this credit for, they're tied with toronto right now or they're like relatively like i think they're four points ahead of toronto right now um you know, so they it's not like they've been playing so well that they've separated themselves from the pack and are like leaders of of their division even and and should be the ones like right. taking home the cup. Like they're still playing in a super competitive division and, and league that, you know, I, I think for the most part does a fairly good job with parity, particularly amongst the top. Um, And so, you know, it's like, is it them not living up to potential or are they just running into teams that are? ultimately better than them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, I mean, if Tampa wins the cup this year, like they'll, th- that will be the narrative, right? Is that like, you know, they right. were just up against a wagon of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right. But the only thing, my rebuttal to that would be, both of those teams, Toronto and Tampa, have been much, 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 much more active with trades and free agent signings mm. over the last three or four years than the Bruins have. And that's, like, no, not even close. Oh. Um, so you're looking
1: at it from a front office perspective.
0: Oh, like, definitely. Are they doing oh, definitely, enough? definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, that's what I mean when I say, like, investing in the window. Like, I couldn't yeah. possibly, as a fan, ask any more out of Zdeno Char or Brad Marchand or Patrice Bergeron or David Postman. You know what I mean? Like, they are yeah. who they are, and they're they play great. You know, most of the time. What I'm saying is just like, yeah, the Bruins, like front office wise, management wise, Don Sweeney wise, mm. is like, come on, man. Like, you've got such a good. Like, I feel like Patrice Bergeron and Zidane O'Chara have just been here for so long, and they've been so, like, dependable and reliable and professional for such a long time that it almost gets yeah. overlooked. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, that's not easy to replicate. Like, that's not going to be no. easy to do again. Like, having 10-plus years of, like, consistent, really good leadership, veteran leadership on your team, like, that's something you need to take advantage of. And it's just like I get frustrated when I look at like, you know, last year when when the New York Rangers were having that fire sale, like we were talking about who who was going to sign Ryan McDonough. We ended up getting over the hill last year before he retires Rick Nash. And like Ryan McDonough goes to Tampa this year. There's the big John Tavares sweepstakes. John Tavares goes to Toronto. Like, you know, we're in on all these players, but none of them come to us. And like, I just get frustrated by the fact that like, yeah, I mean, we, we are going up against better teams a lot of the time, but some of that is, it's our own making, you know?
1: Yeah. I just wonder if it's like, they're too conservative with thinking about the future. Like they're not willing to, you know, there's a reason that we've had, 10 years of pretty su- sustained success <laughs> I could not say that sentence um you know and like uh, they've won one cup and and went to but another, they're yeah. they're always they're always there uh you know they're like around they hang in there they keep the season interesting and so I wonder if there's like that fear of being on the wrong end of the big deal.
0: Oh 10, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, that's then, what I hate though. That, that what you I, just yeah. described is exactly yeah. what drives me nuts. Like that's the then you're the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Like you're yeah, like well. you're like guaranteed <laughs> a, a early, you know, an interesting regular season, maybe an early round playoff exit every year, yeah. and then like you know, see it, see you next time. Like that's right. what that's what drives me nuts. Being in the middle is is maddening you know either be at the top yeah. or like go through a rebuild like, like I, just being oh. complacent with like making the playoffs and like maybe kind of sort of making it interesting is like that that's what drives me crazy
1: all right, you want them all in or all out?
0: I, I want it. them all in. Again, that's why I was I was in on Rick Nash last year even though it didn't really work out and they lost a the first-round pick for it. Like, yeah, you know, I was I was a fan of the deal before Rick Nash even put the sweater on. I was like, I like what this says about the attitude of the front office towards the team on the ice, you know.
1: Yeah. That they're going to give them every piece they can get.
0: Totally. Um okay. so we shall see, but anyways, that's my big that's my Big Bruins take that I've been holding in for months.
1: Uh, well, I think I know how you're gonna go with this, but you know, it's it, you just mentioned Cassidy and how, like, since he's taken over, they've been the second best record in hockey, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you What do you think about like his coaching style, and particularly kind of like how he fosters some of that team chemistry? Like, do you think that's him, or do you think that's the
0: players
1: themselves. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of it has to do with Cassidy. I mean, they have become, if nothing else, a really good and really consistent regular season hockey team, which was really never something that they were under Claude Julien. And like in sports, particularly contact sports, like coaches get old, right? Like you can tune them out. I mean, it can happen everywhere and you see it happen to basically every coach everywhere. Eventually just wait long enough. And eventually the coach will outwear his welcome. Um, But like, since Cassidy took over, like I am, I you do not see a lot of nights where the Bruins just like simply don't show up. Um, and immediately when he took a go- took over a couple years ago, you know you could see them playing much more free, much more offensive, much yeah. more uh, willing to take risks. Um, and so I think the players love it. It's it's a different game now than it was ten years ago. Even like it's more offensive, it's faster, it's more skill, it's mm-hmm. less physical, yeah, it's like less all hitting. that stuff. Um, Too bad. So like, you know, I I think the players love playing for him. I, I he's a fucking breath of fresh air when he does these press conferences. He's very honest. You know, he's not afraid to like oh, kind of call yeah. out his players and say what he means and I I I'm a big Cassidy guy.
1: Yeah, I'm a huge fan too. I I agree. I think he's they're just so much like looser. Um it, they just feel like they understand the system more. Like they know what what their strengths and what their opportunities are and they know how to like use them appropriately and they know how to like take advantage of each guy that's on the team. And like, even when they bring in new guys, like I just feel like they do like, you know, Charlie coiled recently joined the team. And I just feel like they've done a good job, like integrating those guys quickly. So that they're like one of them, like you're part of our team now. And like, you're instantly there. Um And there's like almost instant Kind of trust and respect, yeah, um, and you see and that a willingness too, like, to, like play together.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of story. I mean, this these are like little things that kind of blip up throughout the regular season, but like, there's been a, 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 about a dozen times I can think of where like some guy. We'll have, you know, it's happened to David Backus a couple of times. It's like mm-hmm. he's a healthy scratch one night. The next night he scores the game winner. Right. Yeah. Charlie Coyle gets signed by the team. His first game with the team, he's, he gets the game winning goal in the shootout. Like, yeah. you know, it, and it's just like it, Cassidy just seems to have this sort of touch and feel for like who's going to step up when. And it just like, I don't know, it just works out for him a lot yeah um, and I think that has to do i mean I think that shows that he's really got his finger on the pulse of of who his team is yeah I'm a big big cassidy guy for sure
1: I think you know one thing that I think is such an interesting like juxtaposition you know we talked in the opening about the Celtics and how freaking annoying they are and now we're we're kind of having like a love fest for the Bruins and we're talking about how like fun they are to watch and how just like team oriented they seem to be. And like overall, like it's a team I want to cheer for. Like if both teams were in the playoffs and I could only watch one, I'd watch the Bruins over the Celtics 100% of the time. And, but their win percentages on the season are almost identical. It's like 60.8 for the (laughs) Bruins and 60.3 for the Celtics. Hmm. But when you think about your feelings about the teams, like would you, would you have believed that Without like looking up the numbers, like I never would have. I would have been like, "Oh, the Bruins are are way ahead of the
0: Celtics." Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit, it's, it's weird. a little apples and oranges because teams don't dominate, dominate, dominate in hockey like they do in basketball. Sure, but it's funny because yeah, that, that that's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, we take we take pretty much every win as like gravy with the with the Bruins, and we take every yeah. win with the Celtics as well. Yes, <laughs> like yeah, and you should have better have, yeah. you know. <laughs> Um, so I mean, and that speaks to like, you know, they're, they're obviously different in many ways. One of the ways yes. is that, you know, the Celtics should be, and maybe still are, I don't know. We'll see. Playoffs are right around the corner, knocking on the door of like legitimate championship contention, you know, in a league where yeah. it's pretty easy to spot the championship contenders, you know, even before they right. play a single <laughs> game, no surprises, Just look at yeah. the rosters and you can figure out right. who's going to be where pretty much at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, I mean it's, it, and this is why we were talking last week about you know d- the, the, all those stats about like the diversity of seed that comes out and ends up winning the Stanley Cup versus like the last ten or so and, yeah. and NBA Finals champs have been you know one seeds or two seeds or the three seeds. Seed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that's a good point though. I, I mean, we just think about them so differently. I never I didn't even realize they have like literally yeah. the and- same record more or less. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And maybe it's an expectation thing, right? Like we expected oh, more out of the yeah. Celtics than we did out of the Bruins. But it's just interesting the way, you know, we can like turn the story uh, just based on how a team makes us feel sometimes, too. And like we've talked a lot before about teams being likable and like is a team likable. And the Bruins are so likable, like you want them to succeed. You You as a fan, I don't know, I just feel like compelled to cheer them on because it's like. I feel like they're trying so hard and they want it so bad. And I'm like bought in to just the right. way they're playing and and their, you know, what they stand for.
0: Yeah. And I think part of that, I mean, and it's not as if uh, like that is actually something that the Celtics used to have. And I mean, this comes yes. back to the, the Bergeron, the Bergeron Chara thing of like, what does your like team leadership look like? And at, at right. the time on the Celtics when it was Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen who were, Older players, veteran players, all of whom had never really won at the highest level in the NBA and came together and decided to put the team first before themselves and before their own stat lines and before their own contracts and money and stuff like that. Like that. I mean, those Celtics were incredibly likable. These guys have not yet figured that out yet. And I'm not saying that they will never, uh, but (laughs) this current Celtics group clearly has some like leadership issues. And I mean, you know case in point of like good leadership is hard to find in pro sports like it doesn't just happen you gotta yeah. like get the right Not guys guy and put them it. in the right positions and elevate them to that level and hope that they can hope that they can be the guy you want them to be yeah. so
1: well and i think it, it proves the point that
0: like just because you're the
1: best player doesn't mean you're the best leader right and like your best player doesn't have to be or you're you're leader like I think we would all say Bergeron is the leader of that Bruins team he's not their top goal scorer scorer right what the hell's wrong with me he's not their top goal scorer could he be maybe if it was a different style of team but he doesn't need to be like that's not the role that he needs to play and he's willing to you know adapt to that that team style and like how his line plays and how he can be most effectively used and I just think that's like the key to their success where the Celtics can't seem to yeah get that together.
0: Huh. But it should be interesting. I mean, both, both yeah. playoffs are, you know, less than a month Soon. away. Um, yeah. and I, and as far as just flipping back to the Celtics real quick, you know, as annoyed as I am with the regular season, like I am still now excited for the playoffs. And I, and I'm, I, I am just trying to will them to that point to cross the <laughs> finish line, because I think they are also just saying, fuck it with like, God damn. Oh, well, Can we just get to the, meaningful basketball? You don't have to again? guess.
1: they, Kyrie kind of said it. He literally said as much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So fair enough. Um, <laughs> and then, then we'll like, see right, if the Bruins
0: can fight their way out of this fucking yeah. division or not. Yeah. No. Sucks. Woo.
1: Well, Good we're stuff. Good stuff. stuff. Bruins I mean, are a Bruins. wagon.
0: We're here for it. Yeah. Um, it. Shall we move on to our lightning round? I'm ready. Me too. I'm ready. All right, Melissa. First question. Yes. Um, Your boy, Bill Belichick. Yeah. He uh, Mm -hmm. appears to be in a bit of an arms race with the uh, Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel and Detroit Lions head coach Matt Patricia for a lot of the same players in this uh, budding NFL free agency period, Uh, which makes sense because they both come from Bill's system, obviously, and know a lot of the same players, particularly Patricia. Um, Mm -hmm. But so far this season, the Pats have not been on the winning side of any of the signings. The, The Lions got Danny Amendola and Trey Flowers. Um, fucking that guy, Adam Humphreys, the Tampa Bay wide receiver signed with Mike Vrabel and the Titans. So Patriots have come up empty so far. So do you think that suddenly, uh, Bill's edge of picking the right players at the right time is being challenged? And this could be a, could, could this be a problem for Bill and the Patriots long term?
1: Um, I don't, I don't think it's a problem. I think that. Sure. As people that have worked in Bill's system go out into the league, you know, they're obviously going to know the things that he's looking for. But it's happened before. You know, we've seen like Romeo Cornell and Charlie Weiss and everyone else under the sun that's been in his coaching tree, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of go out there. And obviously they have those same experiences. And somehow he always manages to come up a step ahead. It's like he knows how football is going to change before anyone else does. I- even the way he like all of a sudden went to a stronger running game this year because defenses are getting smaller to protect against the pass, And he was like, well, I'll take advantage of it and go to a better running back. And it was like, okay, I- it- he just predicts things that it's like other people are like, damn, how'd I miss that yeah. <laughs> every year? So I- I'm going to give it to him until it, till someone proves me wrong. Fair. Or proves him wrong. I guess better. Uh, All right. Going a little different route. Um, MMA star Conor McGregor was arrested in Miami when he slapped a phone out of a guy's hand and then stomped on it because the guy was trying to take uh, McGregor's photo. Is this Conor McGregor shtick getting old and as a celebrity, do you assume people are going to try to take photos of you and you're going to be recognized out in the world? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the
0: thing is, is like, it's not shtick. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just a fucking I angry guess. son of a bitch who can't go out in public without fucking getting real pissed off. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't really care about him getting arrested. So I guess f- f- by that measure, uh, it's, it's getting old. Uh, and yes, I mean, you know. I don't know anything other than the fact that the guy was apparently trying to take a picture of him. Who knows what else he was maybe doing or saying or sure. whatever. Um, I would also encourage people, you know, out in the world to, like, treat people celebrities as human beings and if it's not a situation that you feel would be an appropriate time to stick a camera yeah. in somebody's face then don't do it particularly if the man could kill you with his bare hands yeah. and has shown <laughs> uh, has shown a certain willingness to do so yeah. uh, not only in the octagon but also just on planet earth so you know <laughs> fault on both sides Some am bo- both sides this question but yeah I don't really give a shit about Conor McGregor
1: know your audience kind of situation yeah yeah
0: <laughs> Um, here's another right. one that's a bit interesting. Yeah. It's touchy. Spicy. Really yeah. Uh Oklahoma City Thunder's Russell Westbrook uh was caught on tape at a game threatening a fan of the Utah Jazz and that fan's wife. Um since that video came out, uh it's also come out that the guy that he was John with uh, apparently was heckling him like all night and made lots of racist and derogatory comments. Um, not only in that game, but at like had a long history of like specifically targeting Russell Westbrook on Twitter yeah. and on other social media stuff. Um, and obviously, Russell Westbrook let him know how he felt about it the other night. So my question to you, Melissa, is: Should the NBA suspend or fine Westbrook? And was he justified in yelling back at the guy?
1: Um, I I don't think they should suspend him. I think at a certain point it's like people are going to respond um you know I think one of the problems the NBA has is just how close their fans are to the I'm players I'm honestly
0: surprised this doesn't happen more often like that, yeah that blows Me my mind
1: yeah um you know because it's they're right there like they're on the court yeah 82 game you, regular you know.
0: season with fans six inches away from you, the back of your head yeah
1: and um, I do think they should probably fine him for what he said, just to like, you know, the this is our feelings as a league, and like we respect our fans, and yada yada. But yeah, hell yeah, he was justified at yelling at that guy. That guy sounds like a real douche. And it's like, who do you, who are you to say these things in public to another human? Like, forget the fact that Russell Westbrook is an NBA star. That doesn't even matter. Like, how do you say these things? out loud on twitter in in any sort of setting to another human being it it's just like disgusting and and it shouldn't be tolerated and i think maybe the nba should look at like what are they going to do to that fan like are they going to allow someone like that to be sitting that close yeah, to their get, players that fucking guy and, out of that, yeah and putting them in that kind of situation
0: yeah, I mean, so. if, if the NBA wants to, you know, t- give him a little tiny slap on the wrist. I mean, the, the only right. thing that it looks bad in print be, that is that right. he said, like, I'll fuck you up, man. I'll fuck you up. You and your wife. And it's like, ah, yeah, yeah. like literally, <laughs> if you could just redact those three words that you and your wife. I'm like with you 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. Like yeah. the only reason I'm with you 99 percent is for that one little part. Um, who knows? Maybe the, the wife was being a racist piece of shit too. Maybe she deserves it. I don't know. Um, unfortunately (laughs) for Russell Westbrook, none of their shit apparently, or at least not yet got caught on tape or caught on camera. So, you know, he might get something, but I think this is, I I honestly think he comported himself quite well, given the circumstances, honestly, Uh
1: and the fact that he didn't punch the guy in the face and it wasn't I think he yelling, be actually like
0: commended for. Honestly, like our no. way that we phrase it here is like it like it definitely what he was like just kind of standing there doing his little warm up thing like talking. Like it wasn't like right. it wasn't like about to boil over. Like it was, you know, it was pretty yeah. contained given he he didn't
1: sense. make a huge scene like he didn't bring other people into yeah. it. Yeah. And they're fucking human but,
0: beings. Like why would you ever exactly. expect that like anybody's just going to like sit there and take that. Like come on, man.
1: Yeah it's on yeah
0: it's just on yeah so fuck people. that guy uh <laughs>
1: uh also speaking of fuck NBA, that guy stories yeah yeah exactly also in the nba this week uh knicks owner james dolan banned a fan from madison square garden after the fan yelled at dolan that he should just sell the knicks he said it was dolan said it was disrespectful <laughs> like your team is fucking disrespectful bro but anyway um Should an owner have the right to ban a fan for something like this? Or is it part of owning a team?
0: (laughs) I mean, this is, so this is strange. And like, uh, I think, like, on the one hand, like, it's so petty that the owner figured out who the guy is, yeah. found out that he was a season ticket holder, and pulled his season tickets. Like, that's, like, next-level pettiness from a fucking billionaire who owns the New York Knicks. And, like, if it is true, like, that, that is the worst thing that the guy said is that, like, hey, James, sell the team or something to that effect. Right. Like, that ain't so bad and in and, and like <laughs> he deserves much He's worse obviously for all that team representing is playing right now. some contingency of Knicks fans that believe that he yeah. should sell so all like of them. can't imagine that this Dolan <laughs> guy who I've never fucking heard of is making any new fans uh, uh, out of you know m- making any allies among the fan base after fucking banning right. someone for for heckling him basically um yeah but yeah wow i mean like that's that's what that's dick. next level pettiness from the owner to yeah. track the guy down <laughs> and fucking pull his seats i wonder if he's got a gofundme yeah. to fucking maybe
1: maybe he should spend that much time scouting players as he does yeah right scouting i wonder how long that was, fucking, maybe uh, they would have won more than 13 yeah. games whatever
0: assistant of his was like he had to say like find me that guy <laughs> he should just say find me like the next point guard for the new york Knicks. yeah <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> Yeah, because they are a sleuth. Yeah. That person who ever found him. Good, good work by them. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, here's some uh, Red Sox news. Um, yeah. Fat, out of shape Red Sox pitcher Stephen Wright <laughs> was suspended 80 games for a positive Oof. PED test. You might remember Steve Wright for um, st- uh, throwing a knuckleball uh, on average 65 miles an hour and a fastball at about yeah. 68. Um, yeah. So those PEDs really put him over the top. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, Some (laughs) players, notably Red Sox starting pitcher Rick Porcello, have in the past called for stiffer penalties for PED violations. I did not know that. And he said that he still believes that even when it impacts his own team, way to stand up for your principles, Rick Porcello. Do you think that the penalties in baseball are too harsh, too light or just right? I actually kind of think they're too harsh. You think so?
1: Like half the season for one positive test feels harsh to me. Even in football, where it's, like, way more rampant that people are doing steroids, you you only lose 25% of the season. True, true, true. So, I, I mean, it's a long season, I get, but 80 games just feels like, it feels like a lot for a first offense. I, you know, I think you could go, you know, maybe you go 30 games, and then, like, it escalates from there. Um, I don't know, I just feel like it's a little... That's a little tough.
0: It does seem a little harsh. They're also obviously atoning for their, uh, for their, their for yes. their past. I remember yeah. like, it must've been like over 10 years ago now, but remember when Manny got suspended, he never actually served his yeah. suspension because he just like yeah. retired. But I remember like seeing yeah. on sports center that he got a hundred games. I was like, oh my god because like at that point like baseball players never got suspended like that was one of the first PVD right. suspensions I ever remember happening and it was a hundred games I was like I've never seen a number that big in an amount of game suspension <laughs> in my life 100 <laughs> games oh my god just remind you how freaking long baseball <laughs> yeah, yeah, is. yeah, seriously. seriously
1: <laughs> a guy can be suspended for a hundred games and he's still gonna play yeah it's a <laughs> lifetime alright Turning back to football a little bit, the Bills today announced that they're going to be signing two wide receivers, Cole Beasley for $7 million a year and then John Brown for $9 million a year. Do you think that this puts some pressure on the Patriots to give MVP of the Super Bowl, Julian Edelman, a pay raise since he is actually only making about $5.5 million a year?
0: Huh. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe it does, like, next year or whenever his contract's up. Like, these are free agents, obviously, and they're just going to make more because that's just how that works. Um, I mean, I'm sure Edelman would like to make more money. Who wouldn't? I think he's the benefactor of being in a good system with a perfect quarterback who suits his skill set. And, you know, Brady suits his skills and Edelman suits Brady's, you know? Um, So it's certainly like a symbiotic thing they got going. I don't know if Julian Edelman would necessarily... Tr- his skill set would necessarily translate to like every other team in the league. And I think he would, hmm. I would hope that he like realizes that. But I mean, G- right now, he's got all the leverage because the Patriots don't have fucking anybody else to throw right. on the receiving so core. Only like, wide receivers. It's Edelman and a bunch of fucking no one. So if he's going to make Gordon. a stink, now's the time.
1: <laughs> uh, do you think that seeing Danny Amendola get cut after one year in Miami maybe changes his like perspective of how much? His skill is worth out on the free market? Yeah, I mean,
0: maybe he's making this calculation of, like, I would rather be not the highest-paid wide receiver in the league, and then if I have a year where my production is down, I don't get fucking cut, you know? Right. Because none of this shit's guaranteed in the NFL. And like, would you rather make five for two years or— you know, nine huh. for two years, but you get cut and you never see that other night. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, if you can manage to stay on the team, which I don't think Julian Edelman is in any danger of getting cut. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I, maybe he's perfectly happy, just kind of flying a little bit under the radar, yeah. not being like not having this big target on his back for being a really high priced guy. Right. Yeah, interesting perspective. All right. Last question Oof. of the day. <laughs> yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers. traded uh, Antonio Brown and his dyed blonde mustache to the Oakland Raiders for a third and a fifth. Uh, And he still counts, get this, $21 million million (laughs) against the Steelers cap. Um, You'll also remember that Le'Veon Bell held out all last season and might continue to do so. Um, So my question to you is, does this effectively take Pittsburgh out of the competition in the AFC? And are you more worried about the Raiders? And is Bill Belichick laughing somewhere on a beach shirtless (laughs) in Barbados right now at how easy this all is?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'm, I don't take either of those two teams seriously anymore at all. I think the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers can't, can't figure out a way to keep the best wide receiver in football is like Oh, it's such a head slap. Or like, just how get something for him. That?
0: Like the fact that they yeah, did get. a third get, and a fifth round is trash return for him. They had, they, I'm going to say had, past tense, even though technically I think they, I think they still control Le'Veon Bell. Like they had arguably the best receiver in the league and also the best running back in the league. And they are about to get nothing, basically, yeah. for either of them. Like that for is. For either. And by nothing, I mean no Super Bowls, no draft picks, no players, like nothing, point nothing, zero and across the board. You got it's nothing. It's still hurting their cap. 21 million against the cap is a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, well, I, I, I don't want to answer your question. I don't even question, think Brady but. counts
1: 21 million dollars against the cap. No,
0: I mean, that's a big, that's a big number. And I mean, like cap, the cap is obviously a flexible thing, but still, it's just an extra sure. kick in the balls, if nothing else.
1: Right. It just makes it that much more embarrassing. Yeah, the AFC just
0: continues to implode.
1: Yeah. And And I think this is why Bill Belichick, you know, during the first week of free agency can fucking sit on a beach in Barbados because he's like, these people are just gonna take themselves out of the competition. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Seriously. They're not even making it hard anymore.
0: And yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of the Raiders either.
1: Yeah. Me either. Not as long as John Gruden's their coach. So that's ten years from now. (laughs) Call me in 2028 and we can talk about the Raiders again.
0: Speaking of big contracts.
1: I I, oh yes, seriously. I, I just like I don't understand. And, like, Bill's a genius. He gets all the accolades in the world for what he does. But for fuck's sake, like, (laughs) these are things that aren't hard. Like, this isn't the stuff that people are like, oh, is that or isn't that a good decision? Like, no, unanimously, it's not a good decision. You've fucked your team now for the next however many years. The Raiders are just signing any big player they can get and, like, doing what with them? I don't know. Because, like, Derek Carr is still your quarterback. So, what are you doing here? What are we doing?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the same
1: thing with the Bills. Like, Josh Allen's still your fucking quarterbacks. What does it matter that you sign to wide receivers? I mean, he, he still can't find an open receiver. It doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, <laughs> anyway. like, so goes the AFC, I guess. I mean, this is yep. what's basically been happening. I mean, Kansas City's still sitting there. They haven't fucked yeah, up Kansas yet. Yeah, Kansas City's. You know.
1: Yeah.
0: Who? Yeah. Andy Reid. We'll see. I mean, this is that's also the team that lost their star running back to a fucking domestic violence suspension halfway through Ooh, last yeah. year. So you never know. Did you just
1: sign with someone?
0: Kareem Hunt? That's, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think he's a free agent, I though. Went,
1: I just went rogue on that
0: question. Well, but he got cut, so. Oh, right, right, right. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, I have no idea. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, Whew. Got any more takes to clean
1: up? No, I got very passionate at the end there about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's It's almost like a little, sometimes it's almost like a little frustrated. Like, you want a little fucking competition, or at least yeah, like... I. I mean, maybe not on the field, Pretend. like, but in the, here I am, like far departed from any meaningful football games, like in fucking March. Right. Like, I wouldn't hate a little bit of a fucking, you know, something to something to pump some juice into something to uh, care about
1: in December. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, no all right. Well, this all was right. fun. Um, yeah. If good episode. If anyone would like to uh, interact. <laughs> if I do say so myself. Good episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good job by you. Job. Um, if any of you out there would like to interact with the program, you can do so yep. uh, basically anywhere on social social media at Titletown Pod. You can also call us
1: and leave us a voicemail. That option is still there at 904
0: crushed it tt pod no. tt pod T 87 tt pod let's get some good what's... phone calls All going of... for next week you gotta get your All of a sudden confidence I was like up. i don't
1: i don't think those numbers line up
0: <laughs> <laughs> no you're snake bit right now you gotta you gotta figure that out
1: i can't yeah i got the yips i got the phone number yips i can't get it i'm gonna write it down
0: <laughs> you'd think i would have learned that by now you would think anyway Um, Alright well everybody have a great week We will see you next time Episode 69 over and out